everyone. This is The Crime Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime suspense and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that The Crime Cafe has two ebooks for sale the nine book box set and the short story anthology. You can find the buy links for both on my website, debbiemack.com, under the Crime Cafe link. You can also get a free copy of either book if you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. But first, let me put in a good word for Blueberry Podcasting. I'm a Blueberry affiliate, but that's not the only reason I'm telling you this. I've been using Blueberry Podcasting as my hosting service for my podcast for years, and it's one of the best decisions I ever made. They give great customer service. You're in complete control of your own podcast. You can run it from your own website. And it just takes a lot of the work out of podcasting for me. I find for that reason that it's a company that I can get behind 100% and say, you should try this. Try Blueberry. It doesn't require a long-term contract, and it's just a great company, period. And it also has free technical support by email, video, and phone. So you can get a human being there. Isn't that nice? Hi, everyone. Our guest today has both a military and legal background. Having uh, served as a U.S. Army lieutenant and a partner in a major international law firm. He's the author of four books in the Koa Kane Hawaiian Mystery Series and is giving away copies of the latest book, Treachery Times Two, to two lucky winners. Uh, for details on how to enter the giveaway, check out his guest post on my blog at debbiemack.com. It's my pleasure to introduce my guest, Robert McCaw. Hi, Robert. I'm so Hi, glad you could you? be here today. Well, thank you for having me, and uh, thank you for all the people who are listening. Well, uh, thank you for being here, and I'm really glad to have you on. Um, and your book is very interesting. Your your uh, your whole um, the way you paint the Hawaiian Islands is interesting in the mysteries. But um, but I wanted to ask you, as you grew up in a military family, you must have traveled a whole lot, correct? 12 schools in 12 grades. Oh my gosh, isn't that, wow. <laughs> I know something of what that's like, having traveled a lot myself when I was growing up. But um, how did you end up, is that how you ended up practicing international law? Well, actually, there's a, a story about that. I, um, I was an army lieutenant in Korea. I was called into the uh, camp commander's office. He handed me this big, thick, purple book and he said, I've just appointed you the prosecutor in a court-martial. This was back in the days when um, uh, in a special court-martial, neither the prosecutor nor the defense counsel had to have any legal training. The only rule was that the defense counsel had to have at least as much legal training as the prosecutor, which meant that um, both could have none. So I investigated this case. I. Uh, uh, was up against a, uh, um, uh, a member of the Pennsylvania Bar who was the defense counsel. Um, I lost all the motions, uh, but I finally said to the, to the judges, the panel, I said, why don't you just hear the facts before you decide all these questions? I put on the facts and the guy was convicted. 
my father was a, was a military lawyer and I wrote to him and I said, you know, all this legal hocus pocus you've been talking about at the dinner table all these years, it's kind of fun. Maybe I ought to go to law school. And my father wrote back by return mail. He said that wasn't a half bad idea and that under the Soldiers and Sailors Relief Act, I could claim their residence as my residence all, and I could therefore go to the University of Virginia as an in-state student. All I had to do was to pay my income taxes. P.S. A return made out for your income as a second lieutenant is enclosed. And vote by absentee ballot. P.S. P.S. One is in the mail to you. You don't think my father had been waiting for that opportunity? <laughs> my goodness gracious. He had it all figured out in his head. Jeez. Um... How did you end up writing about Hawaii? What sparked your interest in the place? I went out to Hawaii in the 80s um, uh, and uh, to a, actually to an American Bar uh, Council meeting in uh, uh, Honolulu and afterward went over to the big island, uh, the island of Hawaii. And I fell in love with the place. I mean, there was something just magical about it. And I began to do research. I went back over and over and over again. I traveled the back roads. I talked to a lot of Hawaiians. Uh, we quote talk story, which is the is the local uh, language, uh, and uh, uh, I learned about the very unique history that this uh, uh, special place has with the United States. And I felt compelled to tell others to 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 share my my uh, uh, perception of this wonderful place. Um, but how? Um, and I'd always been uh, a mystery lover. My legal career, which was in litigation and criminal law, was about digging out facts. Um, it was a lot like being a detective. Uh, and uh, I sort of merged those with the love of Hawaii, and I decided I'm going to tell this story through a, a mystery murder. And that's the way it got started. Wow, that's really cool. Um I'm often impressed with the way people will pick up on an area, like a locality where they're not even necessarily located and get so interested in it, they'll do a lot of research and become almost like residents. Do you feel kind of like a quasi-resident of Hawaii? Well, I actually was a resident of Hawaii uh, part-time for about 20 years. Uh, we, uh, we built a house out there and lived out there uh, uh, off and on uh, while I was practicing. Uh, and that's why uh, I had a very busy legal practice. That's why it took me 20 years to finish the first book. <laughs> <laughs> I can appreciate that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And what caused you to um, tell your stories to this particular protagonist? Um, tell us a little about your protagonist. He's interesting. Well, um, I wanted I wanted somebody who had some unique experience and I wanted it tied to him in a variety of different ways. Um, in practice, I encountered a large number of cases that demonstrated to me the strength of the human compulsion to cover up. Uh, and sometimes we cover up our tiny little flaws that we don't want other people to know about. And sometimes we cover up really big things and um, my protagonist um, uh, wound up in a fight as an 18-year-old with uh, his father's nemesis, and in, a, in, in the course of the fight, killed the man. And uh, 
he decided instead of co confessing and, and uh, coming forward that he would cover up the crime by disguising it as a suicide. It occurred in a remote cabin. There were lots of reasons why a suicide uh, um, uh, could be believable. And he got away with it. But it colors everything he does. Uh, he experiences guilt. He feels this need to uh, provide recompense. Uh, it motivates him to pursue killers. And it gives him a criminal's inside look at how criminals think, which adds to his abilities, to his perceptions as a, as a detective. Um, and uh, you put all of those pieces together, and I thought, this really works as a, uh, as a, as a detective. This is a fascinating example also of how you can incorporate your previous work into fiction. Um, knowing something about actual criminal law practice. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and uh, actually, one of the things I'm kind of fond of saying when I'm asked about research is that life is research for a novelist. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I have incorporated pieces of characters that I've met over the years of both Hawaiian and um, Haole, which is, means Westerner or non-Hawaiian. Um, uh, uh, prosecutors, uh, judges, um, and one of my co-characters in the book is um, uh, Zeke Brown, who is the Hawaii prosecutor, and he becomes a, a, a foil in many ways for, for COA and allows me to get into all of the legal stuff, the, the uh, search warrants, the the, the uh, hearings, the debt bail issues, all of those kinds of things, which provide a, a, a gives me a chance to tell part of my story. But uh, hopefully you avoid the courtroom scenes, right? <laughs> uh, well, uh, not an, uh, yes, but on occasion the courtroom scene can be can be fun. I, I'm not I'm not of the of the um, view that you can build a whole book around one, but um, uh, uh, they are fun sometimes. Some people are better at it than others. Michael Connolly manages, but I can't. <laughs> I just can't seem to go there. <laughs> well, there, there, you know, there are all these little techniques that that prosecutors, judges, defense counsel use, and when you work those in, it becomes more interesting. True, true, very true. Um, is there a kind of progression to your protagonist story? Do you have a plan for the series in terms of where? your protagonist will end up and how many books you'll write? Well, there are, there are four books now. They, they each are standalone mysteries. You don't have to read them in any particular order. Um, there is a fifth book that's on the way. Um, uh, uh, where it goes from here, I don't know. Um, I've also uh, uh, thought about uh, uh, taking some of my New York and Washington experience and building a completely different world. Um, and I've uh, played around with that. We'll have to see where that goes. So you are thinking about maybe another series? Yes. That's excellent. Cool. Um, how would you characterize the books in terms of style? Are they more like pol police procedurals or thrillers or mysteries? Um, well, the, you know, the, that's, a, that's a great question because um, um, if you, if you, I don't particularly look at the market, but if you look at the market, 
there's a larger market for thrillers than there is for mysteries or police, uh, police procedurals. Uh, and yet, um, a, a lot of, of my experience is in the, in the procedural side of, of uh, how uh, detectives work, how cases are put together, how uh, uh, courtroom scenes work. Um, and um, so um, I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to build that uh, piece of it uh, in. Uh, and um, I actually think that the books are a combination. I think almost all of them end with a kind of thriller kind of end, uh, and some of them have thriller kinds of pieces in the middle. Um, so they're they're a they're a a mixed genre really. Yeah, personally, I I'm loath to kind of categorize books in terms of pigeonholing them, but I I do like to have a sense of where where a book you know how the uh, the book sort of expresses itself in terms of the feel, you know, does it feel more like a whodunit? Does it feel more like a thriller? And I take it yours tend to be very fast paced toward the end and more yes. thriller-like, yeah. More thriller-like at the end, but more police procedural at the beginning. Exactly, yeah. Interesting how that happens. Um, so what is your latest novel about Treachery Times 2? It's actually two completely different stories. Um, and I won't give too much away by saying that they link up at the end in a, in, a, uh, in, a, in a way that I think most people will find unexpected. But one of the stories is about Koa uh, and about his cover-up. Uh, and what happens is that the uh, great, the grandson, great-grandson of the, um, man he killed comes back to the island and starts asking questions uh, and asking questions about how his grandfather died. And um, uh, it gets dicier and dicier and dicier for Koa as the questions get more detailed and as the exploration of what actually happened uh, in that cabin in the remote wilderness of Hawaii uh, what uh, uh, so that's one of the whole pieces of the story. The other piece of the story is about a unidentified woman who is uh, 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 disinterred from a graveyard uh, by a, a volcanic earthquake or volcanic um, uh, eruption, uh, and uh, uh, the pursuit of, uh, of her identity, and then ultimately leads you into what is a, 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 an international espionage case. Wow, that sounds fantastic. Um, what do you enjoy reading and what writers inspire you most? Well, you mentioned Michael Conley. I've always had a, a soft spot in my heart for him. Um, uh, I think he does a wonderful, wonderful job. Uh, I've also am very much uh, drawn to uh, uh, authors uh, who make the, the background, the, the geography, the place, part of the story. And I, one of the goals that I've had in all of the uh, books is Hawaii really is a character in the books. Uh, uh, it interacts with the people uh, in terms of the geography, in terms of the legends, in terms of the Hawaiian uh, uh, characters and the and the problems in the Hawaiian society, which are 
they have all the problems that everybody else has, but they also have some unique problems. And those, the sovereignty movement out there, the whole uh, antagonistic relationship with the United States. I mean, we took, stole the islands. We just took them over. Um, um, it was a, really a, a commercial um, um, effort to uh, uh, keep the sugar uh, plantations afloat that ultimately led to the expropriation ex, ex, uh, of the islands. So you have all of this, this unusual history with the United States, um, uh, which uh, I think feeds into this notion that this place is a special character in the books. And I've carried that through all of them. I've, one of the things that uh, really honors me as an author is when people say, well, I've been to some of the places and it was like being there again. <laughs> wow. It is a really unique state in terms of its isolation, the fact that it's an island, so many things. Um, it almost, okay. it's like the, uh, the earth there is almost alive, the way you describe the volcanic activity at the beginning of your latest book. It's one of the places where you can go and you can see land being created. Um, uh, uh, there's, uh, uh, you know, all of the Hawaiian Islands came from a, a hot spot in the Pacific. And then as the tectonic plates moved, the islands moved off to the Northwest and new islands formed. And there is a new Hawaiian Island um, that hasn't yet reached the surface of the sea. It's called Loi'i and it's off to the Southwest side of the big island. Um, they, they tell you not to, not to buy real estate there yet because um, uh, it may be 50,000 years before it surfaces from the sea. Uh, but it's a very, very uh, geologically active place. Fantastic. Wow. Have you ever read Michener's Hawaii? Yes. Uh, I, I'm, all, I'm frequently asked, um, um, you know, what, what, what should I do if I'm going to go to Hawaii? And the first thing I say is read Michener's book. Um, it's a wonderful introduction to the islands, to uh, the history, um, um, and uh, um, I, I think he's a great writer. I've always admired him, um, uh, and I hope I capture the islands in a very different way, but um, uh, like he did. Yeah, it's been ages since I've read it, but I remember being fascinated by it. Um, what kind of writing routine do you usually follow? Um, I try to write most days, um, um, uh, and uh, sometimes I uh, get a lot done, and sometimes I don't get so much done. When I hit a little stumbling block, I actually typically say, well, this could go in this way or that way, or maybe four or five different ways. And as I work through the issues and problems with each, I'll pick one of them and uh, uh, move on um, with it. I typically know where the books are gonna start and I typically know where they're gonna end, but I don't always have all of the, the, uh, the play in the middle worked out. And that, uh, that causes a lot of, of, of rewriting because I will discover something that I think is really great. And then I have to go back and put in the precursors for it, mm -hmm. the clues, if you will. Uh, so that the right, uh, the reader isn't surprised when they get to this uh, to this place. Yeah, it's interesting how you have to 
go back and sort of backfill sort of the stuff that you exactly exactly like oh if i'm gonna get here i need to have this happen first exactly okay whoops so but that's, that's it's nice to have an outline <laughs> that's that, the way that, i do it that's the beauty of being a novelist though i mean one of the things that was a little hard for me coming from a legal background is i always wanted things to be accurate but when you're a novelist, it doesn't really matter. It's a That's question right. of ultimate believability, if, if, unless you're doing a, a fantasy. Um, uh, and uh, uh, it took me a while to, to bridge that gap. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, because it took me a while to sort of just relax my use of language a bit. I was always real formal and careful about the way I identified things at first, and it's like, you're not writing a brief, Debbie. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And one of one of the real assets that I have, my wife reads um, um, everything when I get it put together, and she she keeps saying, "Make it make it more more common. You don't need to use those big words." <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows what they mean. You know. <laughs> um, let's see. What, would you, what advice would you give to somebody who is interested in writing for a living? Oh, uh, first place, you have to be true to yourself. Um, um, uh, you know, my wife is a photographer and um, uh, she keeps worrying about whether her work is gonna be commercially successful. And I keep saying to her, photograph what you love, um, the rest will come. Um, uh, and if you try to capture the theme of the day, uh, one, um, you're not going to be successful because by the time you get it out, and this is especially true in books, you, by the time you get it published, uh, that theme is, is history. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so, you know, the girl in the window has been done. Um, yes. Now the girl is staring at some woman in a window or a woman is staring at some girl in a window. It's, exactly. it's all very... <laughs> it's, all, it's all moved on. It's all, it's moved, all on. moved on, yes. The other thing I would say to them is write what you know. Um, the, the believability of a story is in the detail. It's in the, in the you know, um, tiny little details sometimes that you think don't matter to the story but they give it depth and they give it credibility. Uh, and it's very hard to do that um, if you don't know what you're writing about. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Google Maps is wonderful, but it doesn't, it doesn't serve having been there and felt the spirit of a place. Amen to that, that is so true. I gotta ask, since you mentioned um, that the part about military um, justice, what do you think of A Few Good Men? <laughs> have you ever seen the movie? Yes, I have. Um, uh, <laughs> well, I, I lived through that era. Uh, I, I rushed out the front door to get the newspaper every single morning while that was going on. Um, I've, I've said to people, I don't think newspapers have been so interesting at, at any time since. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, uh, it's a, you know it's 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 very well done, but it tells only a part of the story. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, that, that's interesting. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? 
Um, only that, uh, um, uh, you know, I love to communicate with, uh, with readers. Um, yeah, I'd love to get that feedback. Um, and uh, I really hope that people enjoy the books and that they not just enjoy the, the, the detective story and the thriller element, but that they learn and see something about this very unique 50th state that we have out there uh, and about its, about its really unique history. I mean, we're talking about a place where the only indigenous mammal was a bat. Uh, we're talking about a place that now has some of the largest cattle ranches in the United States. Uh, we're talking about a place that has a moonscape kind of landscape that uh, you feel like you've, you've literally, uh, you're up there with the rover on the moon. Um, so, wow. um, um, uh, it's a, it's a fascinating place and I hope people come to learn a little bit about it and maybe love it half as much as I do. Well, keep writing about it. Have you ever thought of writing a nonfiction book about Hawaii? I have, um, um, haven't gone there yet. I'm still playing with, uh, with, with, with fiction. You know, I did a, I did an awful lot of nonfiction writing as a lawyer. Um, uh, and there's a little bit of been there, done that um, quality. Yes, yes, I know how you feel about that. <laughs> well, this is this was wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed chatting with you and uh, 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 really appreciate the opportunity. Well, I appreciate your being here. Thank you so much. Um, and I enjoyed chatting with you as well. Um, before I sign off, I would just like to remind everyone to please leave a review for the podcast if you enjoyed it. Also, we are on Patreon, supported by, by Patreon supporters, so don't forget to check out our Patreon page. Um, being a patron means you get a free copy of the Nine Book Crime Cafe box set, as well as the short story anthology that comes with your patronage. Um, also, uh, those books are on sale through um, the, the usual major retailers, so check that out. The Crime Cafe Nine Book Set and Short Story Anthology. And on that note, I'll just say thank you for listening. Our uh, next guest in two weeks will be Amelia Neymark. And with that, I'll just say take care and happy reading.